We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, start off with an apology about yesterday. I had something come up uh, personally, and I could not do the show yesterday. And I know there was a lot of breaking news, but you know what? We sort of let it settle itself out. We learned as much as we could learn. Cooley's with me right now. He's going to have an abbreviated version of the film breakdown coming up. But we start with the Dwayne Haskins situation, you know, what to do with it. I'm going to give everybody for the purposes of those um, or for the benefit of those that don't know all of the information, what we know as of now, which is 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning. We're going to know a lot more a few hours from now. So understand that by the time you get to this podcast, there may be new information. We're going to react right now to the information we have. We, We know based on the reporting the following things are true. That after the Seattle loss on Sunday, Dwayne Haskins ended up partying with a large group indoors without wearing a mask, a group that included at least one stripper that was in close contact with both him and his girlfriend uh, slash fiance. We know that he was with a large group at a restaurant that appeared to be dancing at a club. We don't know if this was a club that was open to everybody. We don't even know if it was a strip club. Uh, The the Post reporting it was a restaurant um, that may have been cleared out for this large private uh, gathering. We know that he spoke to Ron Rivera about the incident on Monday and that he apologized and took responsibility for what he said um, were actions that, quote, were irresponsible and immature, closed quote. He did that on Twitter yesterday before closing down his Twitter account to anybody but private um, uh, access. We know that patronizing a nightclub or patronizing in a large gathering without personal protective equipment, PPE, is considered high-risk COVID-19 conduct according to the NFL's coronavirus protocols and is punishable by a fine um, or a suspension up to four games. The team has the discretion to discipline the player. The league has the discretion to step in if they don't like how the team disciplines the, uh, the, um, the player. We know that Haskins already was fined for violating the coronavirus protocols back in October when he made a reservation for a family friend at the team's hotel before its game against the Giants on the road. We also know that according to the Post, 
that Haskins has been disciplined by the team. We just don't know what that discipline is at this point. And again, you may know what it is by the time you listen to this podcast, but we don't as of the recording of this now. And we know based on multiple reports now that the team will not release Haskins now in part as ESPN described. They are reluctant to do so because of Alex Smith's calf injury. So that's what we know. What we don't know is what his teammates think, what his coach thinks, what they thought of him before, what they think of him now, what their plans were when this season ended, what their plans may have been at the trade deadline had Kyle Allen not gotten hurt. There's a lot that we don't know about this. I'll ask you, Christopher Cooley, for your reaction based on everything that we know right now. There's a lot to think about with this, Kev. First of all, I feel I feel sorry for a lot of these guys because of the circumstance of this year, but I feel sorry for high school athletes and high school kids that can't. I mean, across the board, everybody's dealing with this. So you have to deal with it. The thing that becomes a problem is when people start to act like they're above it, especially in areas where you can't do that. Um, Dwayne acted like he was above the COVID protocols. I don't have a problem with any of the activities that he was involved in in a normal situation. So no one's going to talk about it in that fashion, or I'm not going to talk about it in that fashion. But he knows. They They discuss this constantly. Stay safe. Stay out of public situations. Don't... And all of a sudden, now he's the starting quarterback. He's got this great opportunity. I think it was a really ignorant, um, complacent choice on his part. I think it was selfish. And I understand that they're bored. But this is what we're, what, what do we got left? A month? God, just make it another month. It was ridiculous. The more I think about it, the more I just think you owe this much to your coaches, to the other players, to the other players in the NFL, to continue to have the season that they're having. I don't know. That's frustrating. Wait, what would you so what would you do if you were Ron Rivera in the organization? Well, there's a lot to think about if I was Ron Rivera. I certainly don't want to play Logan Thomas as my starting quarterback. What about Steven Montez or Taylor Heineke? Yeah, I think there's something that you would consider with Steven Montez. I, I think that you have to have a discussion with the NFL as to what the punishment is going to be. They, they might not even let him play anyway. Right. He so let's be able to pass. So that's it, shouldn't, a, it shouldn't even matter. Like he, he, you can't say that he's positive three days afterwards. He might be positive seven days afterwards. So they can't let him play. So they're going to have to play Montez. I'm suggesting if there was any way that you could get through the NFL work. He were to pass tests. I still want to win games. Yeah, no. What I, I think I, I think I asked that question with the assumption that they would have the option of playing him on Sunday. The whole conversation could be a moot point by this afternoon if he is suspended or if he is forced to do some sort of quarantine where he's not even available to play on Sunday. But this assumes that if if the team wants to keep him and play him on Sunday, that that's an option. 
if that is the option, would you play him on Sunday? If Alex can't go, obviously, at full health. Well, let me ask. No, I wouldn't. And here's the reason I wouldn't. Because I still don't know if he's going to have COVID. And if he does end up having COVID, and I made that choice and put others at risk, then I'm liable for putting others at risk. What if he told you he was in a large gathering event with no masks, but every single person there was a family member or friend um, and uh, and and or was, was rapid and, and the strippers were rapid tested um, before the event and, and tested negative. I'm Here's giving you problem. Yeah. Here's the problem that you run into, <laughs> in in my opinion, is let's just say somebody else had COVID and brought it into the building. Dwayne got it in that fashion. It's still all going to fall back on the organization's decision-making process, and you're going to look at that situation as the one that put us at risk. There, there's, I'm sure that guys are doing this. I'm sure that this is common. This is, I mean, it's unfortunate because it's one of those situations. It's like, don't get caught, bro. Um, you want them to be more responsible. You really do. But I think that if I'm the head coach and now I have three COVID cases come up this week, if I do, then everybody's going to point at a lax environment because of me. So I think I have to bench him. I think your, I think your reaction to this is really, um, it's, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't have much passion in it. Um, and I'm good. I'm not, I'm not, it's how you feel, but I, I think so. It's a massively immature, foolish, and selfish act, period, in my view. Like, this dude, who, by the way, we know from, you know, all of the reporting in the past, has a maturity, a professional maturity issue to begin with, um, you know, was personally immature yesterday, uh, uh, on Sunday as well. He's got a coach that's battling cancer. Okay, he's got a, a a a team that's fighting for a playoff berth. At the very least, this was going to be a distraction, even in a normal environment. This could be a distraction. By the way, no, but of course it could have. You, you don't think that in in a non-pandemic we weren't going to get pictures? By the way, real quickly, because I don't want to lose the thought. You have you've told me in the past, and I think it's a very very keen observation about the testing for marijuana. And if you're dumb enough to get caught, then you wouldn't want those players on your team anyway because it's so easy to plan around the testing for marijuana that if you can't figure it out, you're too stupid to play for my team anyway. And in this particular case, to allow pictures to have been taken and then have your fiancé slash girlfriend, it's his girlfriend, I I think it's his fiancé, Post Instagram, um, you know, uh, pictures with you in them. How stupid are you? How completely idiotic are you? So th- there's that whole aspect of it too. But um, you have created a distraction. You've created potentially in a, a situation where your head coach could be at risk and others. In a week in which your team has essentially a playoff berth on the line on Sunday, how outrageously 
so also selfish in a week is where that? you're probably going to have a chance to be the starter again. No shit. Where you actually played pretty well. Right. So how how devastating is that to you? I mean, it's funny because there's got to be situations where you, you walk into the situation with, hey, no phone here, no pictures, no nothing. It had to start with that. Now, I think, do I ever look at what my wife's posting on Instagram or challenge what she's No, I don't. But that had to start with, we're not going to have an Instagram post here. This, this one, we're not going to have. Um, it's... But, uh, I, I don't know. I just go back to it and I think, my God, okay, you are the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. You just played a pretty good game. Wouldn't you want to play a really good game the next week? And you have really just a couple games left. Just a couple left. Like, wouldn't you just try your fucking best to be in the building that week? Not hey, no, you didn't know. I can't. Like, not, not you even, would. I, know I would. But he's a. Ch- but he's a it's child. Not, but but above that, it's like take all the risk out of it. Take all of the stupid out of it. In terms of the COVID side of it, and just say. Wouldn't you just want to fucking watch film this week? Just this week. And maybe if you're starting next week. It's like two weeks left. Just go do the things that everybody expects you to do. I hate saying that because I was one of those guys that hated when you said, hey, got to be in the, why aren't you in the building? Why aren't you? But I wasn't the starting quarterback. And I wasn't the starting quarterback who just got my second chance, who had a pretty good start. God, that's the thing that, it's like, do you want to be good? And I, I hate the, the rest of it is immature and stupid. And I understand everything you're saying. And I know you want me to have emotion with the COVID stuff. I, I just think it was a dumb choice. But God, I am more emotional about the idea that you're blowing an opportunity, even if you don't get caught. Uh, so, so there are a couple things here. Let me let me just go through a couple things on this, and then you can react to it. First of all, he's put his coach into a very difficult situation during a very important week. Um, it's just you know, it's the nature of people who are immature and don't think about you know the ramifications of their actions. Forget about what would have been is in his best interest personally to you know lay low and get ready for a big week and a potential second big start. Um, it's the impact it, it was going to have on others, the organization, his head coach, to have to address this, to have to field a majority of questions, to have to strategize on how to handle it, to have to communicate with the league on, on how it's being handled. All of this during a week that's subo- that will lead up to a game at 4.05 on Sunday. By the way, the game, the game got switched from 1 o'clock to 4.05. Um, that could be a game that could clinch the division uh, title. Um, you know, it's the kind of, of, of shit that, that, that coaches and organizations face from time to time. And sometimes in, in the, at the worst possible time, like now. But it's very interesting because I think it's a very complex question. I don't think there's an easy answer to this. And even though I, I view him to be incredibly immature and selfish and lacking in self-awareness and the kind of guy that you know I think has felt all along that he arrived long before he's ever arrived because he hasn't arrived even yet. 
Um, and there's probably a lot of reasons for it, even though I'm very intrigued by his talent. I can't wait, actually, to hear your film breakdown of his game uh, Sunday against Seattle. Um, but it, it's still a complex situation for the team because there are some people that would say, look, um, in the best interest of a team like Washington who's trying to change a culture, you cut bait, you do it quickly, you make an emphatic statement that it's team first or else, period. But there's also a case to be made that sometimes, you know, coaches and organizations um, handle it differently. They treat certain players and situations differently, that acting too quickly or emotionally given certain, you know, situations or contexts can actually sort of equate to cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like I brought this example up um, this morning about how a very successful Hall of Fame coach basically handled a situation in his very first year before he had won anything in Dallas. Jimmy Johnson, the famous Jimmy Johnson line about Troy Aikman. Um, Jimmy Johnson cut a marginal player for falling asleep during a meeting to send a message. And then he was asked what he would have done if Troy Aikman had fallen asleep during that meeting. And Jimmy said, well, that's easy. I would have gone over and I I would have said, hey, Troy, wake up. Or I would have just handed him a pillow. You know, and so not every answer is you cut them. You know, not every answer is if you don't right. if you don't act, you know, and you show how tough you are, and you show that this is the way our organization is going to be run. Um, it's not always the right answer. By the way, Dwayne Haskins is no Troy Aikman, so I'm not comparing him to Troy Aikman. But we also know that he may be the team's only legitimate option at quarterback right. for the biggest game of the season which makes this conversation a very interesting one because I think on one hand, if Ron Rivera cut him immediately and said, look, it's about the culture and the future of the culture of this organization, and I consulted with the leaders in this organization, and that includes several players in the locker room, and this was whatever. This is the decision that I made after, because I think Ron is one of those kinds of guys. Um, rather than just being an authoritarian and making the decision on his own. And this is in the best interest, and this is what our organization has decided is in the best interest of the team. But you could also pursue the following path, which is, and he wouldn't say that today, um, but that we believe that for now it's best to have Dwayne um, on the team, and we've accepted his apology with the intention of cutting him when this season's over. But the path of saying, hey, let's go win this division. There are 52 other players in this locker room who want to, you know, we've come this far, and now we got a chance to clinch on Sunday potentially if Baltimore beats the Giants at 1 o'clock, which, you know, seems like it should happen. And we can cut him in mid-January when this season's over. You know, hopefully we, we win a game and we're still playing in mid-January. We can do that, at you know, then, and we don't have to, you know, cut off our nose to spite our face. So I think, you know, wh- whichever way they go, I think is fine with me. I actually am going to trust Rivera on this. Um, but to those that say, no, you have to do it now, I don't personally feel that way. I think you can do it a month from now. I don't think there's any chance Dwayne Haskins is on this roster, but I thought that before this incident. Um, but I'm absolutely convinced that even if he plays great, he, they're not bringing this guy back. He is a child, and he may grow up, 
Um, but more importantly, Ron Rivera has this idea of the kind of person and the kind of maturity and the kind of work ethic that it takes to, to build a winner, and Dwayne's not part of that plan, and he wasn't a part of that plan before the other day. Um, but I do think it's, you know, it's really, it's remarkable how lacking in sort of uh, awareness this kid is. Because he really yeah. is just blowing an opportunity. And part of that lack of awareness is that his career is so close to over right now, and he has no idea, and then on top of that, has no idea the millions and millions of dollars potentially that he's throwing away that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, he will just absolutely beat himself up for being such a dummy and such an immature, you know, kid. If he ever grows up, I mean, there's always that uh, situation as well. But anyway, um, you know, you can get uh, free shipping on any Kingdom of Pride clothing item that you order between now and Christmas. That's available on his uh, clothing line website, kingdomofpride.com. Oh, uh, the, order, nice. the order has to be $75 or larger, but you get free shipping with it. So I just wanted to this mention that. funny. Can you imagine, <laughs> you're the head coach, you stand up in front of the team, Dwayne comes up, he gives his apology, which I'm sure went really well, and then you say, so here's what we got, guys. We're cutting him, okay? He's not going to be on this team next year. There's no chance. But right now, we all need to rally behind him because he is the only quarterback we have on the roster. <laughs> Trust me, it's, uh, this is part of the process. We're, we are going to cut him. He's, he's, a gar- he's garbage right now. We do need him at least one more week. We need him one more so, week. Everybody, Dwayne, you leave this team one more week. And then we'll see where we're at. You're definitely gone, though. Okay, this, you're definitely gone at the end of the season. You're on borrowed time right now. And we're going to find you every bit of the next couple game checks. You're not going to make another dollar this year. You can go out and play well. You'll have another opportunity to grow up somewhere else. You can be – you're a kid now, but you can grow up, but you won't grow up here for us. Um but guys, let's bring it on in. <laughs> get behind Dwayne. Let's get a win on three. One, two, three, win. <laughs> like, like, um, I mean, you do have to address it in a way. Like, really? Because it, not everybody is the same. But Dwayne isn't Troy Aikman. No, Dwayne's just the only guy right now that you have. The other interesting question is how close Alex is. Like, is Alex really that far away with Castro? Well, is it a two-week deal, is it, or is it, is it going to be longer? If ESPN's reporting is accurate, that they aren't cutting him because they're reluctant to cut him because of Alex Smith's calf, that tells you that he's not ready, Alex Smith isn't ready, and it also tells sure. you that Steven Montez and Taylor Heineke, or Tyler Heineke, whatever his name is, um, isn't really the, the way they want to go in a game that they have to have, that Dwayne's their best option there. I think it is interesting to consider a couple of things. Number one, um, that if, let's just say, Alex were totally healthy, you know, or if, if, if Alex – like if Dwight were the third-string quarterback like he was when Kyle Allen was healthy, I think that he, he would have been released yesterday. Um, I, I think that – and, and part of me hopes that that's not the only reason, that there's some principle involved. But at the same time, again, I also come back to, is there that much of a difference between cutting him today and cutting him a month from now? I think, it, you know, they're going to move on from him. Everybody knows that. This is not a fit. 
And by the way, one other quick thing too, this is another reflection of just how dopey the owner is, just how completely flawed he is in picking people. You know, over the course of his 21-year stewardship over this franchise, his biggest weakness is the inability to pick good people, and if he lucks into a good person, to let him do their job. You know, just the, I, I, I'm going to read this, this quick um, uh, tweet um, th- that I read on the show from somebody, and I'm looking for it real quickly, but it was actually so, to me, um, hit the nail on the head. Um, this is just so Snyder. His foolish, his foolish fascination with immature marketing-obsessed QBs. First Griffin, now Haskins. It's so predictable. He can relate to them and seems to, to want desperately for his quarterback to think just like he does. Instead of finding and helping a football-focused field general be his CEO between those white lines. It's, you know... It's what I've said before. You know him better than I, so you can certainly, you know, interject here. But, you know, I'm sure he is a a brilliant entrepreneur and salesperson and a terrible manager. And that's not unique to really successful entrepreneurs who are creators, that they're really good at coming up with the idea. They're really good at selling the idea and getting it started. But but once it gets to the point of needing real management – it gets turned over to real managers. The problem with this football team is he bought it, all right, he didn't create it, and he wanted to manage it. And it's been a fucking disaster for 21 years. And him stepping in on draft day 2019 and identifying Dwayne Haskins as the savior is another example of just how much he misses the mark on people and and misses the mark on what it takes um, from a personality standpoint, from a, fr- from a, a character standpoint, uh, in this league up here, as Coach Joe would say. Anyway. Up here. I used to love the way Joe would say that. Well, up here. Up Because what? Up here? <laughs> That'd be super smart. Dwayne was not super smart. Oh, buddy. Just Taylor Heineke. <laughs> you know, he played for Carolina for a year. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why he's here. Some terminology of this offense. So you're going to see Taylor Heineke against Carolina this week. That's going to be awesome. Right. All right. Um, anything else on this? There's going to be obviously a lot more that will come out today. Rivera will speak today after they practice. First of all, we'll find out whether or not Alex Smith is taking first-team reps. We'll find out whether or not Dwayne Haskins is actually there. Um, and when Rivera speaks or maybe beforehand with reporting, we'll find out what the discipline was. Because, again, the, the report from the Washington Post, Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier, is that they did discipline Dwayne. There just was no description of how they disciplined Dwayne. Uh, it he- could also change based on the NFL's decision. Or, or if, he, if the NFL were to say you can't play in these next two games and you're going to be suspended – for playoff games, he'll get cut tomorrow. Yeah, right. Like if if he's not available because of the NFL, then there's there will be no reason for him to stay, unless they actually think that he created a fifth round trade value, and then he'll be put on the Sue Cravens list, whatever he was a couple years ago, like the the team discipline IR IR right. list. You know what I mean? They'll put yeah, him on yeah. that. Whatever that list was. Um, Look, he, I don't. I bet you he's out of the building this week. He didn't. I bet, I'll bet he actually. I bet he ends up being out of the building at some point in the, by the end of the week. Really? 
So did you just – is that your prediction now? Well, in thinking through this, well, here's the other question. Like, can you practice if you haven't – if you are at risk of COVID? I don't know. No, no, you, you, like, you obviously can't. He won't even be in the building. Right. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Well, again, like like we said from the beginning, the, you know, we don't have a lot of the information on whether or not he's even available um, on Sunday, which may make, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, this conversation an absolute irrelevant one by the time some people listen to this podcast. Part, let's parts get of it. let's yeah parts of parts it. Let's of get it. to the relevant portion, um, which is Cooley's uh, film breakdown. It's going to be an abbreviated version of it. We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, people, uh, and that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everybody. You can bet the NFL. You can bet college football this weekend, NBA, all of your favorite college sports, including hoops and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. By the way, my bookie's just not about betting opportunities uh, on sports. They've got an online casino, an online race book, and they've got big giveaways and free contests for you to enter. It's simple. Sign up at mybookie.ag, enter my promo code, Kevin DC. You got to put my promo code in there, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, to get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie, make the most of the holidays this year, and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. We're going in-depth, play-by-play. The Cooley Film Breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. All right, Cooley's going to do an abbreviated uh, film uh, breakdown of the Seattle game, uh, and you're going to start with Dwayne Haskins. How did he play? Well, Kev, he actually played pretty well. I thought so, too. He did. I wanted to start with just the last four plays of the game, essentially. There's a first and ten shot to Logan Thomas in the end zone. Yeah. The safety actually goes with Logan Thomas. They have a post outside to Terry McLaurin, and you're really reading that safety. He doesn't go hard enough that Dwayne shouldn't throw that ball 
because of the safety. But he does go enough that Terry should be wide open in the middle of the field with the post. So I think if you look at that first and ten shot, you have a look at Terry McLaurin with the safety moving across the field towards Logan Thomas. I actually didn't like that ball to Logan Thomas. I think you got to give him more of a shot right there over the back or right on top of his head to kind of go up and get it. Right. But you can't just overthrow that thing. Right. That's that's kind of the the thing is, like, give him a shot where Logan Thomas can go up on top of the backer and get that ball. So that I didn't like the, the ball. Or really, Kev, I didn't like the decision. I thought if, if you get that safety to move at all with your crosser, you want to throw the post over the top of the stairs. You know, I, I spent some time on this yesterday on the radio show because – one of the things, you know, after I got access to the All-22, um, which I have, as you know, I actually thought he made the right decision and threw it, you know, on time, but just threw it wildly inaccurately. Like, if he had get, the, the 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 one defender is running with his back to Dwayne, the safety isn't going to get over there, even though the safety's trying to get over there. And if Dwayne gives Thomas a chance with that, that's the game, or that's the go-ahead touchdown. And you're saying that you think he sh- he could have come back to McLaurin. Watch it again, and as you see the safety in the middle of the field move, you're going to have a one-on-one matchup with McLaurin. I don't think that that safety is getting back into the post with Terry if he throws it skinny. So I think that he would have had a better shot to Terry. Now, that said, the backer does do a heck of a job as Logan Thomas crosses, getting depth underneath that thing to really make it a harder throw. Right. Um, again, I don't hate the decision. I think Terry's probably a better decision there as he sees the safety move, but I don't like the throw. He didn't give him, he really gave him no chance to get that ball. But that said, he also threw a ball that wasn't going to get picked. Right. So it was, it wasn't even, back, it wasn't even close accuracy wise though. Like, no, it, it was, gar- it was, it was like to me, that's a ball. I mean, it, it's Aaron Rodgers we're talking about, obviously. But Aaron Rodgers puts it right above the the trailing defender who's not looking back, right above his head and right into the hands of the tight end. You know, right. that, throw it right at the back. Of, throw it right at the back of their head. Right. And let me go up over the top and get it. That's the ball I want. That's the ball he can't defend. Yeah. I thought the second and ten sack, he had a chance to have the ball out right now to Logan Thomas. It, 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 there's a ton of pressure, but it's two-man. Put that on the back shoulder of Logan Thomas. He's running a little spot whip out route. Could have had it on him. It's not the worst sack of all time, but that ball could have been out. The third and 15 sack, he looks at McKissick in the flat. There's soft coverage. He has to throw McKissick in the flat. Third and 15 in that situation is a quiz. You need to understand that you're going for it on fourth down, so getting six, seven, eight yards to McKissick is actually an excellent play. He failed that quiz in that situation. He shouldn't have taken a sack there. Uh, he, he should have been able to get it to McKissick in the flat. If you watch it again, he looks at McKissick. He looks out to his right. I actually hated, I think it was that play call. No, it wasn't that one. It was a different play call. Did, Sorry, did, I'll get to that. You, you didn't think in both of those instances that the rush was so immediate, Cornelius Lucas getting beat badly on the second uh-huh. down, yeah. and Moses being thrown into him. You th- you you think he could have gotten rid of it? Yeah. Okay. 
I, it had to be incredibly decisive. Right. But, yes, I think he could have gotten rid of that. So. Okay. Yeah, I do think he could have, he could have gotten rid of it. Um, and then the fourth down play, I, Kev, I hate the Hail Mary shot. I, I just, if you watch that one more time, and these are like weird, you got to think through situations and you don't always have the cer- certain plays for certain things. But everybody goes into the end zone, Dwayne scrambling around, and everybody sits in the end zone. If you thought, hey, Dwayne, we're going to get, if we get him to scramble around, just allocate one of those dudes to run about six yards past the first down marker and then come back flat across the middle of the field at the first down marker. They could have gotten a first down there. Every Washington receiver is in the end zone. Every Seattle defender is in the end zone. And you don't have to throw a Hail Mary there. Okay. I guess. I mean, he's running around just trying to make a play because he's pressured. That, but, God, at least somebody – I'm not – so this isn't on Dwayne. Somebody else make a play with him. Right. How many times have you seen those last-second opportunities where it's a catch and run? No, I know. Pull it up. Watch it again. Tell me that if you don't have Terry whip back across – or Sims or Sims Jr. went back across at about the 15 as Dwayne's running that he wouldn't throw that. There's no way that everyone from Seattle is coming out of the end zone for that. Even if it does, even if they do, then you've got less people in the end zone for it. I don't like that play call. Got it. All right, Haskins. Um, the good throws, the good decisions from this game. Um, look, for the most part, I, I did think he was actually really accurate. And he made some nice throws down the field. He got an incompletion to McKissick early in the game that he threw down the left sideline. That was defended really well um, by Hill. I I thought that was a great throw. Right. Um, The one down that left far sideline. Down the left far sideline. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I also love that Hill reached down to, like, Hill hyped up and, like, did that flex on McKissick. And then he reaches down to give him a hand to help him up. And he's like, Nah, bro. I'm good. I'll get up myself. Right. I love McKissick, man. Um, that said, though, that decision process, Dwayne's stuck on a hitch out there on McKissick. He's got two digs open in the middle of the field. Logan Thomas is open on that play in the middle of the field. He gets stuck on it. He ends up making a good throw off strip to it. But I didn't necessarily love that decision process on that one. That's a good throw. Um, quick release is, is, a, is a passer throughout the day. I, like there's an RPO in the second quarter that the ball's in the running back's gut and then it's in Logan Thomas's stomach in about one second combined. Super quick which was release. Impressive. Like quick release throughout the day, which I thought was was really good. And I know that's something that you have always talked about. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I th- I see a guy that has a lightning quick release, even if it's not always at the right arm angle. But you know, Mahomes throws from, from weird angles too. Again, I'm not comparing him to Mahomes. But, um, you know, we, the, the ball is out quickly. And, by the way, it gets there quickly. Oh, it's, it's – I mean, you watch this game how many body catches there were. Like, how many times Logan Thomas body caught balls. That ball is coming. Yeah. Um, there was a third down in the second quarter, third and six that he threw to Logan Thomas on, a, on a, about an eight-yard out route. That was a good job by Logan pressing for depth against Bobby Wagner. But, I mean, that's when you can just tell how hard that ball's coming because Logan's not catching that thing with his hands. I thought he got things going really at the end of the, at the, end of the half. You know, it, the, the two-minute drive I thought was, was pretty good. 
quick to McKissick, a back shoulder opportunity to Terry McLaurin that he didn't come up with that I thought was a really good ball. Logan Thomas at the end, the flat at the end of the half, is a good ball to catch and run. Um, he made a heck of a throw to Terry on third and six on the opening drive. Followed that up with a pick the next play. But, God, I mean, there's some things he did. Like, he got going. He was really very accurate and I thought decisive with the ball. Um, he had two scrambles out to the right that were good decisions that he makes plays on. I'm absolutely impressed with in that situation. So, there's some real good here from Dwayne. And it's multiple level throws that I thought were good throws. The bad, start with the two picks. The first interception, I think, fits bad decision, bad throw in both categories, and I'll explain why. One, I think Wright busts on the play. I have no idea what Isaiah Wright is running. It looks like when you watch that first pick that he gets about six steps downfield and realizes he's in no man's land. Like, oh, what the fuck did we just call? We're talking about the first so, interception. The first when, he's, when he had to scramble a little bit out to his right. Yeah. The scramble off script interception. That said, immediately McKissick is right in front of his face. He had actually thrown that ball right in front of his face to Peyton Barber on that drive, and Barber dropped that thing. Right. So I don't know what he's stuck on there. Like I didn't like that he actually threw it to Barber. I'll explain that when we get past the picks, but. He had the same look. McKissick is in front of his face right there. Lastly, Wright actually does a good job reacting on script. Dwayne doesn't make a bad decision in throwing the ball to Wright once he is scrambling to his right. It's a good decision because I think Isaiah is open. He just airmails it. Right. So I think it's initially probably the wrong decision. But then it becomes him making a play, which is then I think a good decision, but a bad ball. And for some reason, he cannot throw to his right on the run. He does this awkward jump kick thing, and it, it's a weird feeling or weird-looking throw. And I, and I was thinking about that because there's a couple of these running to the right where I'm like, that's maybe a part of why he wants to flush left more times because he's more comfortable throwing to the left, which is insane for a right-handed quarterback. Right. But he's more accurate throwing the ball to the left. Like, he actually threw a really good ball to Terry McLaurin rolling left that was broken up. That You're like, wow, I mean, that's driving a ball moving to the left. So, I thought that the first interception could have been fixed in a couple ways, but really just bad ball running to his right resulted in what was the pick. The second interception is a poor decision by Dwayne. It came after a big throw on a third and six. Um, they go with a hard run action. Terry McLaurin's running like the post corner post. He's slow on it. He doesn't do a good job of pressing off to back to the corner to go. The safety ends up taking vertical with him and the corner holds on there. So he's got to be able to see that corner. I also think that it was run too deep on the crossing route by Tam Sim. I think he's at like 25 yards. So that was the second interception. Some of the bad decisions on the day by Dwayne, which I don't think there were a lot of. Um, he's backed up on the third drive. He throws 
to Terry McLaurin on a deep comeback down the field. K.J. Wright's dropping with a ton of depth into that comeback. There's no real check down out to that side to hold K.J. Wright, but that's an interception opportunity. He, he can't throw that ball. It's the third drive of the game, they're backed up. Right. Th- that, that one, Wright never picks up the ball, but he's got enough depth that that could have been an easy pick if he had seen that ball. The Peyton Barber drop, uh, he's coming across the middle of the field. I explained that a little bit with McKissick, but they're running four verticals on this play. They have two tight ends to the right in a wing set, and then Peyton Barber split outside of them. Both those tight ends are arcing to run verticals down the seam. On the left side, he's got Terry McLaurin in the slot running an inside vertical route and then Sims outside of him. You can't just lock on Peyton Barber. It's four verts. This is you. This is something you got to read out vertical down the field, and then you come back to the check down. If he reads this out, he's going to see split safety. Terry McLaurin's going to take the vertical and bend it into the middle of the field against Adam, and that should be a big throw. Adam, and that should be a big throw. He just forces one to Barber, and I think Barber doesn't expect it because he's going to run right into a kill shot. Neither of the linebackers have dropped anywhere. He hasn't looked down the field. He hasn't dictated that Wagner or uh, whoever else is inside, I can't remember, should drop. So they're going to, he's going to get Barber knocked out at three yards, and he had a shot down the field for 20 to Terry. That's, again, I think that's earlier in the game. That was right – that was right at the start of the two-minute drive at the half. Uh, I thought he was late on the ball to Tim Jr. at the two-minute drill. At the end of the half, he's throwing it all the way across the field <clears> to an out route that he's way late on. Sims catches it, but it's out of bounds. I he's thought it the boundaries out of it. It's a similar concept. It's a, it's a mirrored concept. It's a, it, the defense is even across the board. The easy throws to Logan Thomas. They never covered Logan Thomas. It's crazy. I, no, I noticed that the throw to Sims Jr. was late, but I also was surprised they didn't take time to review that. I thought maybe he actually made the catch. I actually thought he might have made the catch, too, because he did get the toe drag in. It was his first foot that looked like it It might have been right on the edge. Yeah. But I'm with you. The, the booth should have reviewed that. Well, maybe they did. I mean, it's the final two minutes of the half, but it didn't seem like they did. There was no delay. Uh, yeah, I did. it really didn't feel like they did, and I thought the same going into that thing. Um, there's a third and 12 at the end of the half. He throws one away over Logan Thomas's head. I hate the play call, it, and it's not necessarily Dwayne. Um, I'll get to where I think Dwayne could have went, but they well, the, are on the right hash on that play. Yeah, but it's the but play before the, the field goal, right, with no timeouts. Like, they can't throw short yeah. over the middle. Right. You know, they they he needed to he needed to dump that quickly rather than risk taking a sack. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I hate that play call because you're running three receivers boundary and they're four over three in coverage, and so it really doesn't give you anything. Like they're hoping they can get Steven Sims on a deep corner route where he can get out of bounds. Right. But their corner back is squatting on that. and doing nothing good to throw it to Steven Sims because that would be a pick possibly. But I do think if you look at it again, with Seattle really overshifted to the bunch in the secondary, that he's got a one-on-one shot to Terry McLaurin on a 12-yard out route on the left side of the field that could still get out of bounds. Okay. I thought he could have went to Terry there. Okay. So, I, I, I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you I, awful on Dwayne. I just hate going three-by-one into the boundary when you're trying to get out of bounds on the boundary and you know they're going to overshift that. Bottom line is you're kicking a field goal there. You weren't you weren't going to get a touchdown anyway. 
No, I hear you. I, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Um, look, I, I just I thought he played more confidently. I thought the offensive line did a good job protecting him. I thought he had good pocket movement, even on the sack that he took with the, the first sack that Jamal Adams talks him down. Like that's a really good movement in the pocket right there. He just he's got to know that he can't outrun Jamal Adams. But that's a, that was a third down situation. I don't know where he was going to go with it. Right. So, but I thought consistently moved well in the pocket. Quick release was much more accurate than he had been through most of at least most of the much more accurate than he's been um, to me. Dwayne Haskins played this game at a B level. All right, what else you got offensively? You know, the other stuff offensively, like there were some drops in this game. Terry had a couple drops in this game. Yep. Or on balls that I think he could have caught. Robert Foster had a drop on a slant. But that 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 slant, that was actually, I thought, a good, a well-thrown ball by Dwayne. Robert Foster drifts downfield instead of running through that ball. He has a drop there. I thought they had some opportunities to make more plays as far as their receivers went. I thought McKissick was really average running the football. Vilma was saying he was dancing. I was kind of questioning that. But there were, there was a little bit too much hesitation in the backfield on some of the runs by McKissick, where I thought could have got a couple more yards down the field as 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 a runner. The offensive line protected pretty well. Late, obviously, Lucas not good. Moses not good. Moses had a couple pressures given up earlier in this game. That Moses was probably the lowest graded offensive lineman. Lucas being there as well. Interior wise, they played pretty well um, with Ruye. Sheriff and Schweitzer. I thought those three just did a pretty darn good job inside. Everyone saw that Logan Thomas had the, uh, a breakout game in terms of receptions. He can't block anybody in this game against Seattle. He's been getting better, but I thought he struggled in a big way. Uh, he's also, this happened two or three times in this game with Logan Thomas. You tell him to go to somebody and he's going to that person. Like There are times that you can adjust, Logan. Somebody else shows up, block him in the way. The most dangerous, uh, but they didn't cover Logan. I think that was the other thing with Seattle was they basically said, Dink and dunk it 13 times to Logan Thomas, we don't care. It wasn't like he was really shaking, dude. He's just open underneath. I don't have a They're problem with moving the football field. that way, do you? Not at all. I don't have any problem with moving the football that way. Um, I didn't think the last the Hail Mary throw was holding on Schweitzer. Yeah, you mentioned I, that. I, right. I I really didn't see that as a, as a holding on Schweitzer in that ball game, but you know, Kev, sometimes those get called. I think you got to really be careful on a hail mary to call hold unless it's a tackle. Wouldn't you agree? Like, you really want to call hold right there? It's, it's, well, if it's if it's blatant, you got you got to call it. So, yeah, R- I didn't I didn't think it was a hold. Yeah. Um. Morgan Moses, real quickly, you said did not have a great day. Was that before the injury, or did you just include the whole game, including after the injury when he came back in? Uh, there's some stuff. Like There's a run early where Barbara gets outside to the right, and they're running a zone run at Logan Thomas. Right. So it's to the tight end side. The defensive end is two yards outside of Logan. Logan attacks way hard and outside. It does a heck of a job. Morgan goes out with him to nobody and stands there like, what are you doing, bro? Like, go double team to the backer. There's some weird things. That, more, a couple weird things Morgan did in this game. It wasn't all bad, but there was just like I would have graded Morgan a C minus in this game. 
he was better before the injury, but that play happened before the injury. So right. he's also not perfect before he was injured in that game. I do. I thought Sheriff was good again. I do. I think Sheriff's really starting to play at a high level. You can see that Brandon's healthy right now, which is which is good. Um, I would have graded Brandon at, uh, in the B plus range. He would have been my highest graded offensive lineman. I didn't put the grades together. I apologize. It's Christmas. My mom's in town. My movers are here. I've, I got a lot going on, so I didn't uh, go through and grade right. everything. Well, we, we had we had we had, we had other important news today to discuss as well. The Haskins stuff and. You know, we we're doing then, an we're doing an abbreviated film breakdown. So defensively, give me what you got on defense. So what I did is I just I wanted to see what happened on that touchdown drive to open half. That was the first thing I started with. Right. And uh, let's just start with the fact that I'll go through them all, but that Thomas Davis cannot be on the football field for them. He can't run. Can't move. He can't do anything right now. Yeah, well, uh, the first run for 13, Chase Young gets pinned a little bit. Thomas Davis is the strong side linebacker to the side of the run. He steps inside with the fly motion, and then he's way slow and late to get back outside. The tight end pins him easily, and we got an edge. And Cameron Curl comes up and misses a tackle, and they get an extra three or four. It's a 13-yard game. The next play is a weak side run for nine yards. John Allen gets rolled up uh, inside because instead of fitting a gap, Bostic fits directly into his back and helps push him down. Thomas Davis is getting railroaded by the tight end. Uh, the run hits inside of Deron Payne, who clearly is playing a, a B gap or outside of where the run hits, but he's not aggressive enough to fight off for block. And then again, Cameron Curl has to come up and make a tackle, and he's on two straight plays. The first safety, the first player to touch the back is the safety. And then the fifty yarder is just bad, bad beat defense. You know, if they have a weak side blitz with Cameron Curl. The tight end goes away. Curl comes up. He rushes off the edge. Sweat is unblocked up the field free. Nobody touches him. He's four yards up the field staring at Russell Wilson, and Hyde is cutting inside of him. I'm like, guy, you can't just play sacks and tip balls. I, I know that you're good at that, and he did it later in the game, but you've got to be able to play run in that situation. Thomas Davis looks like Winnie the Pooh with his head stuck in the honey tree. <laughs> He's lost in there. And Darby ends up coming up, missing a tackle on the edge, and then Jeremy Reeves takes the all-time worst angle to run that I've seen a safety take oh, ever. Oh, you watch that 50-yard run and tell me what Jeremy Reeves is doing with an angle to that run. I can't explain it. Right. You get three big runs there. That was a dagger drive for them. It was really a dagger drive. It wasn't great across the board defensively throughout the entire day. It, it really wasn't. But at that point, you're good enough on defense that you don't give up that drive or don't give up a touchdown on that drive, and you should be in pretty good shape. Uh, the guys that I thought played well in this game, I thought Fuller played at an A level. He's been down big time, and I thought Fuller stepped up and had a, one of his best games. I thought Jimmy Moreland did a pretty good job inside for the first time. Um, really was good in coverage, consistent, and you didn't notice him because he was good in coverage. Um, Chase Young played well. Cleek Hudson did a heck of a job stepping in. Yeah, I thought he, did. he played really well for a guy that you're like, who is 47? Right. Um, Talk about Reeves with the bad angle a couple times. Um, I thought Reeves was actually okay in this game. The guys that I thought really struggled, Thomas Davis, Bostic didn't play well. Sean Dean Hamilton played 24 plays but really didn't play well in this game. I didn't think Settle on 14 plays had any impact again on this game. He had been good until the last two weeks in my grades, but he would have been a D in this game. And I thought Montez Sweat played like garbage 
on 39 plays. I did not think Sweat played well. I thought he was a, a D plus, D minus in this wow. game. He made the one big play, but I did not think that Montez Sweat played very well. How about Chase Young? I, I said Chase Young played pretty well. I, I think Chase Young's in the B range this week. Um, based on watching this film, I'm sure he would be in my B range if I were to grade this out. I think Allen and Payne were both in that C-plus type range for me this week. Um, the other guy, Curl, was probably in that like low C, high D range for me this week. The rest of the guys we mentioned, Davis, Bostic, Hamilton, Sweat, Settle, all in the D range. Hopkins and F? Hopkins. <laughs> Hopkins, <laughs> Hopkins gets an F. Um, all right. Uh, I, I know this was a hectic week. I appreciate you doing what you did. Um, the game on Sunday, uh, hopefully we have a chance maybe on Saturday to put out a short preview uh, podcast of the Carolina game um, sometime on the day after Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and the family, and uh, we'll talk in a few days. Merry Christmas. I'll do it Saturday. I'll be around. All right, that's it uh, with Cooley. Uh, Doc Walker uh, will join us next right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, let's bring in uh, my good friend, Richard Doc Walker. Perfect day to have Doc on the show, uh, where we will talk some X's and O's. But it's always about the burgundy and gold. (laughs) I didn't know if you were going to catch on to that uh, as quickly as you did. Um, I want to talk about the team in the upcoming game, which is always your focus. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, I you do. Really don't. No, I do. No, no, no you I do. Don't. No, you don't. I do. Go ahead and get it over with. I know what you want to do. Um, so what would you do with Dwayne Haskins after all of this? Well, I'd have to use him like he's used the organization. If I don't know what the status is of the starter, so I'm going to do what's best for the team first. I get no benefit of penalizing him and hurting a team that has a playoff opportunity. I think that would be short-sighted. i got to think of the big picture. Uh, he will control his own destiny as he's showing. And um, if he were an older player, it would be different. But that's a reflection of you selecting a toddler, understanding the background, or either you didn't, 
And so you got to deal with it. But he's – you can fix it. It can be salvaged. He's not the first knucklehead to be in, in the National Football League. But right now, if it doesn't help me beat the Panthers, then I have to stay focused on that. So um... – you know, you referred to him as a toddler, uh, which is to me um, spot on. There's a clear maturity issue. Uh, he's behaved like a child in the past, and obviously, this was childish and selfish, uh, by the way, um, and reckless yeah. in many ways. To, uh, you know, in the midst of a, of a pandemic. But I, you know, you referred to you know when you pick a toddler, you got to deal with it. You know, I I, I had told Cooley um, that you know you you. This falls back on the person that decided he was going to try to make this pick because he's a local kid, because he went to Bullis, whatever the reasons are. The biggest flaw of the last 21 years of ownership has been the inability of the owner to identify quality people, whether it's a player for the roster or a coaching staff. And when he's lucked into quality people, he interferes. Well, it's pretty clear. You don't have to be a genius to recognize the talent that has been through the building and the great talent that's allowed, that has escaped and blossomed and what he's been stuck with. And so that's master of the obvious. But he doesn't play on Sundays. So you have to go beyond that. And, and, and organizations, they're not the first organization to have a succession of bad moves, and sometimes they still win if you can get to play on the field. Looks like they're doing now. All that would be said, being said, they're still in a position to win the division and host the playoff game. I mean, just imagine if they were ever on the same page. It'd be frightening. So when you <clears throat> when you said you would do what's in the best interest of the football team as it relates to um, Dwayne, yeah. Um, beating the Panthers. Yeah. So if he's their best option, a quarterback, you're you're playing him Sunday if he's available to play, and you know they haven't. He doesn't have to quarantine, or he doesn't have to. He doesn't get suspended, or whatever. If he's available to play, and Alex can't play, you're you're he's playing for you on Sunday. Yeah. If, he, if he's my best option, I'm playing the best guy that can help me achieve my goals. I'm not going to penalize the rest of my roster. Um, for a guy who's that selfish, I, that's that's where the adult has to step in. Because if I, and if the league allows him to play, see, that's, we have so many uncertainty, uh, of course, about this. But I'm going to do a Sheehan and do a hypothetical, okay, and say that if he's allowed to play and practice, because if there's any chance of quarantine, why would I let him even mix with my players now? Right. Let's just assume. I mean, the assumption here for the purposes of this conversation on Wednesday morning, because a lot more information is going to come out today, is that he's available right. to play for you on Sunday. And Alex. Well, then, yeah. Now, if Alex is healthy enough to play, would you have Dwayne on your roster as the backup? Well, if he's if he's better than the other guy, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Again, I'm not going to hurt these guys. This defense, this whole line. I'm not going to do that to those guys. Because that's my fault. You know, I have to assume – well, no, no, let me correction. A, a great leader would assume all responsibility for it and then fix it. He wouldn't pass the blame. You know, you did it. You brought him. You're training him. You're coaching him. 
it's all a reflection of, of the organization, period. So fix it. And if you eliminate him, it doesn't eliminate the problem. That's the biggest issue going. If you think it's just him, then you're dumber than you look. Um, you don't think he'll be on this roster next year, do you? I have no idea. Well, what's your guess? I, but again, it's a waste of my time. No, it's not. It's like, do I know what the weather's going to be the next day? No, I don't. <laughs> well, you, you could. You know, I don't. Because you can look at the forecast. The guy who selected him is still in charge of the entire organization. You mean the owner? So it's not impossible for him to be here. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's not impossible. But do you yeah. think Ron Rivera wants him back next year? No. I don't think Ron Rivera wanted him from day one. Right. That's clear. Yeah. Although, um, to his credit, the guy who allegedly knows the offense, he beat him out in, in, in camp. If you can beat a man out that knows more than you do about a new project, what does that say? See, that's the thing that we've never been able to piece together as to why Allen didn't start from day one. He, he and the coordinator and he, and Ron, they're all one. Okay, no problem. Then why didn't he start? And then you could have been passing out, put your bib on Dwayne, and you could have put him in the high chair, and you could have taught him, you know, how to eat soft food. That would have been... That would have made sense. So the whole thing from day one to me is counterproductive. And if you want to chase the ambulance, go for it. But in terms of the football team, to be where they are now, it would be the most selfish act done if you didn't give them the best chance to be rewarded for their efforts. Yeah, I I, um, I think – that if that is the way they go, I totally get why they do it. There are 52 other people that have worked, you know, all year long to put themselves into a position to play a postseason game. And they've got a game on Sunday that by the time they kick that game off, it may be to clinch the division. And if you got, if exactly. you end up with a quarterback out there that doesn't belong on an NFL football field, um, because you wanted to make a point today about the kind of culture you're going to have in the organization, that seems to be, as I said, earlier in the show before you jumped on sort of, you know, a cut off your nose to spite your face situation. If you don't like him and you don't want him to be a part of this, you can deal with that a month from now, but you don't have to penalize everybody else on Sunday. Um, Yeah. And that's where I'm going. I'm taking high road to go team first. But if he's not your best option and the, and you like the guy that was, was with Scott Turner last year, Heineke in, uh, in, in Charlotte, or if Alex is back to 100% and Heineke you feel comfortable as a backup and they cut him today, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. No, I, I'll move forward either way, but you're not going to be as lucky as the Bengals were. I mean, right. you know, it's a, now you're playing Russian roulette. What do you do if the guy like the Dallas quarterback that came in when they were here? He the JMU the kid, yeah. Yeah, you don't know what that kid's going to do thrust into <laughs> that situation he's playing again yeah it's just too that's too dicey it's too dicey what's the percentages on that i mean you're a wager guy so no no i'm not taking that i'm going with a guy that can at least show me what he showed in the second half of a game that he nearly was a part of a comeback win what he's capable of and all that psychological stuff you know that's for somebody you know white lab coat 
deal with because <laughs> so, you're not going to fix that. Do you do you agree? Cooley gave him a B on his performance Sunday. I thought you know he played pretty well. It didn't start off great. But I thought, you know, you and I have had this conversation about Dwayne a lot over the last year, whether it was together on a show or off the air or you having it on your show, me having it on my show, that we kind of liked and were intrigued by some of his competitiveness and some of the way he he played last year, but we didn't see it early in the year. But I saw it on Sunday. Did you? Yes. He showed the hard work he put in. He got his body right. He runs better than he's the best runner we have. He's better than Mahomes. He's faster uh, than most guys in his league. And that, that he, I mean, he's like an antelope. And he could see him once he started really competing. That was the Dwayne of two nineteen. And um, but if a guy was really focused, he would have corrected the footwork issues. Now, they dropped on him. He needed them to make catches, and they didn't. Yeah. Okay, and then he could have helped himself on a couple things, but I saw fire. And if he would run more, if he would just take off, now the defense is at a disadvantage because they're not planning on that. They didn't game plan him all week about doing anything other than sit in the pocket. Uh, he's really sidearming a lot of things now, and I don't know what that means. You know, but... I loved his competitiveness. I thought he would win it. I mean, I'm I'm riveted into my couch going, he's going to win this thing. He's going to be a hero. And that's what he's loved to be, and he would have earned that. But um, they couldn't block. They couldn't protect. They didn't move the pocket. They didn't anticipate that the right tackle had blown a tire. And, uh, and those are little things that it's not just him, it's them, it's everybody has to assume responsibility for failure and then get better at it. But in terms of this team and its heart, it's got heart, man. It's got heart. It's just sad that um, – but you can't make people – you know, you can't make someone or a piece of fruit be ripe when you want it to be. It's a process. And for whatever reason – um, Wayne Wayne is in a destructive mode right now. He, this is self-destruction. Nobody's done anything to him. This yeah. is him. And so, and again, that's a that's a further that's a deeper issue. And he's not the only guy. I mean, guys are fighting demons all the time. It's just that when you play that position, when you come in the way he came in, when you request a number that you haven't earned, mm. when you're dangling a damn earring on your ear flashing and you haven't won anything you don't get it you just flat out do not get it and it's a disgrace to the people and i heard springs and his father being mentioned well that's not their fault that's on him it's on him and i would not let him off the hook by blaming someone else yeah what did his father and springs say no, no, I'm just that, that we're referencing uh, on Twitter people saying, well, it's pretty good. Now, what kind of example is that? Is Spring supposed to be his mentor and his father? Oh, yeah, stop. Yeah, ridiculous. I know, you knuckleheads. Yeah. I mean, it has nothing. They did their job. They got him out. They got he's graduate. He's a graduate. I mean, come on. What are they supposed to do? Move him in their house? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, uh, I want your thoughts on the defense right after this word from one of our sponsors. With Doc Walker uh, here, and we will finish up the show today because with just some thoughts that I wanted. I haven't talked to you in a while. You like this team, right? Like you like the way they've yeah. responded to Rivera and what they've become defensively. And you know, this would be a team. Would you would you describe them as a team that could do something, a dangerous team, if they make the postseason? Well, yeah. If they earn the right to get in it. They don't have to apologize to anybody, and because of their defense, and they can put pressure on whomever. And they're really—I mean, you know—we we know that when you can get to the quarterback, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. If they could have ever acquire a little bit more balance, they, the fact that they don't really seem to believe in running the football is to me a problem. Because with that defense, I'd be trying to capture the clock. I'd be trying to get you to the fourth quarter to just wear you out. You know, I would really look try to suffocate people. But that's their their thing. They do it their way and with their strategy, and it very well could work. But you don't know who will be available for you. Injuries are a part of the game. I don't want people, oh, that's just, then that's a reflection of your, or your depth, lack of training, or poor selection in players. It's pro ball. It's no excuse for you not to have people prepared to do their job. Some will be better than others at it. But the idea that injuries wrecks you that point, I'm not buying that. Who's ranked their defensive linemen in terms of the players that you think are the best of, of the group of Young, Sweat, Payne, and Allen? Well, it's a collaborative effort. <clears throat> you know, they're not running a, a – it's not a sprint to see who's the fastest. They work in concert. So if the two bulls or the three bulls, when Settle is in, giving them great inside pressure, then the quarterbacks can't step up, which makes them more vulnerable for the two guys off the edge, and that's why they get success. If those bulls inside aren't as good as they are, then it's harder to get to the quarterback. They've also, and Del Rio, to me, has just been fantastic. And now that they're mixing in uh, some blitzes, and then they, you know, again, they Holcomb playing his tail off, 54 play. I mean, just guys starting to step up. And 53 has flipped his script, and I think he's gotten better. Um, Bostic. Yeah, yeah, but but so yeah, I, I like it. I mean, 31, love him. Curl. Uh, my favorite player, 22, is out, and that killed me because Everett, Everett. is he's my favorite player, and um, and yet it didn't kill him. It hurt him. But I, I like all those guys in concert. I, I really do. What Chase does, he requires special attention. When's the last time we had a guy that had to be doubled? Dexter. That's the difference. So now, and then don't sweat. 90 is, what he's a freak. He's the biggest freak on the whole team. Sweat. He's got unlimited potential. We, he, we're still climbing with him. We, his ceiling might be off the roof. And I love the fact that he's willing to learn. Work ethic is there. They're all grinders. They're physical. They have speed and agility. Oh, I love them. I, I really do. I mean, it's so neat to see it, having played with it and seeing Chuck and McGee and Manchild, you know, and um, watching those guys, Matt Mendenhall. World. Once you've seen it. World. And, oh, it, our interior people, world and butts. 
they don't get the credit they deserve. Perry Brooks was one of the best interior pass rushers to ever play in this town as a big guy who had moves. So when you master the idea of putting pressure on people, if you can do it with four, now you're special. And I think they have that kind of potential. But, you know, it just depends on who stays healthy and, and hungry. Because you've got to not only be healthy, you got to be hungry. And, and those guys on that side of the ball, they're starving. Uh, are you excited to watch Russell Westbrook debut for the Wizards tonight? Well, yeah, he's a Bruin, and I'm, I'm, and the way he plays is so infectious. Uh, but again, this team, until they commit to playing defense, I'm going to be lukewarm because I've heard this. But it's, it's, they're just like the Burgundy Gold. There's a lot of talk, but inconsistency everywhere you look. So but I didn't you, ask him. To but you better. like West. You you him. love Westbrook like I love Westbrook, and I don't know if it's going to result into into a lot of wins or playoffs or whatever. But you you like this. You like the crazy edge guy like he is. He's he's he 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 appears to be a bit unstable, and you love that. I like. Yeah, I like the guy that plays as if he was broke. <laughs> You know, he plays like he, he he is trying to make the team. Yeah. And, and, Kevin, to me, that is the best thing going is when a guy plays like he's trying to make the team. But I'm not going to let uh, – I'm not going to let their staff off the hook. You know, it's really it's the – No excuse. It's the highest compliment, right, as someone who's coached like you have. Um, and played like you have. And um, and being serious, it's really the highest compliment you can pay somebody when you say, especially to a player that's talented and accomplished, that every time he or she goes out, they're playing like they still are trying to make the team. You know, and and, and juxtapose like Westbrook, and every single time out he's trying to prove that he belongs next to a guy like Dwayne Haskins who felt like when he got drafted, he had arrived. You yeah. know, there, there's just – if you were the GM of any kind of, of sports franchise, you would be looking for those people above talent, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I think background is most important. Uh, I think you really have to know who you're investing in. And I think most teams in the league have are clueless. There also aren't a lot of great communicators that are in front office. In other words, you've got to be able to talk to people. That's when Del Rio has, has won me over. I don't think they, he's warm and fuzzy with him. I don't even know if they like him. But i tell you what they do. They work for him, and he's able to communicate, and he was patient in getting his point across. He's a great communicator. In other words, getting it done, he gets you results. So it's not just being at the podium. And I love guys who aren't trying to run for office. Right. I love the guy. He hates doing it. He can't wait to get away from it, and that's my kind of guy. I'm not looking for a politician because your work, the, what your players do, tells me all about you. That's how I judge coaches, by the players, by the results of the players. So you can talk all you want to talk, but if you're in last place you can't score points, you can't stop anybody, you suck. And that's it, period. 
And so I would love to be involved in just the personality means everything. If a guy's a jackass, and I said this about uh, 92 they had here some years ago. Hainsworth. That he was a jerk in junior high and high school. Everybody knew. All you do is go back and talk to teachers, talk to friends or whatever. You would have known that. He didn't just flip. He's been that guy his whole life. Yeah. But you're gambling that you can change it. Based on what? Your facility has never been top rated. You know, your, your people, your staff. I mean, so let's just get real. If you're going to build an organization, it takes the people that are able to connect to others and evaluate. It's all in the investment. I mean, but yet this league, there's no penalty for failure because you can be in last place and make just as much as the guy in first place, and that's the problem. And, and that's never going to change. So you're stuck with it and you hope you get lucky. But eventually, if you can't look in the mirror and say, there's four or five guys coaching in the league and having success and every one of them was here and you got none of them, yeah, you, you just got to look at it and go, just quit BSing yourself. And But they're doing it now. They're surrounding themselves by the quality of people in their building. And as a result, this is what you're getting. We're in December, dude. And we're talking playoffs. We'd be joking in past years. I know we would be. You know? I know we would be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So it, it's they're moving in the right direction. Merry Christmas to you and Carol and the boys. And, uh, Happy we'll, holidays to you, Carol and the boys. And we'll, uh, we'll, talk, to, we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Uh, as always, brother, none but love for you. And give Tommy my best. I, I will. All right, Doc All right. Walker, everybody. On Saturday morning, we'll put a podcast out previewing Washington, Carolina. We're off the next two days. Uh, happy holidays to everybody out there.